Welcome to the Ginghamsburg Podcast. After today's message, take a second to download the Ginghamsburg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Ginghamsburg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step in your journey with Jesus. What's up? Everybody who is not sitting in the front two rows, I apologize for that, but, but thank you. You're very kind. It is good to be with you in the room and online. My name is Fitz. I'm the family ministry pastor here. Um, as we've been walking through the passion narrative headed towards Good Friday and headed towards Easter uh, Sunday, uh, maybe for you it's been like it has been for me. It's brought some deeper emotions to the surface. And uh, as I think about this morning's theme of betrayal, it transports me back a few years, uh, maybe several years, to eighth grade. And while that was um, a decent amount of time ago, I can still remember what it felt like to be stabbed in the back. So I had a, uh, I had a, a friend, um, we'll call him uh, Jeff, uh, because that's what his name was. And so um, he and I, for all intents and purposes, we were best friends. We hung out a lot. Uh, we spent the night at each other's house. And uh, one weekend, a friend of mine and I did just that. We, we spent the night at Jeff's house. And we did what you would expect middle school boys to do at a sleepover. We stayed up way too late, ate way too much junk food, watched the movie on The Late Show, um, and uh, abused the first person to fall asleep which was me. But uh, that, that's not the backstabbing. That's not, that wasn't the bad thing. Uh, that didn't happen until Monday. I went to school and um, I, was, I, was, I was dating a girl at the time, whatever that means in eighth grade. Um, and I was dating her and she confronted me the first time I saw her that day. And she informed me that Jeff had told her that I had told him at the sleepover that I wanted to take our relationship to a um, uh, to a different level. And I'm gonna, just going to let you fill in the blanks for what that means, okay? Here's the thing. It wasn't true. It was a complete and total fabrication. We never even talked about whatever kind of dating relationships we had. We were just eating junk food and watching movies. So I am hacked off. And I went to find Jeff. And I found him, and I wanted to pummel him but I restrained myself, and instead I just confronted him. And he did what was probably the most prudent thing to do at that moment, which was he ran away <laughs> from me. <laughs> and thus endeth the friendship. Like it, it, it was over at that point. Um, we, we, we had eventually gotten to the point where we could be cordial again and, and whatnot, but there, there was no more hanging out. There were no more sleepovers. The, the betrayal, it, it just hurt too badly. And, and I'm probably not alone. You, you've had someone who you were close to who at some point metaphorically out of nowhere attacked you like the shower scene in Psycho. Ee, 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 ee. And those of you who are not laughing at that, you're very young. And uh, <laughs> just Google it later. It's fine. Um, it's a graphic way to describe it, but betrayal is a fairly common plot line of the human story, isn't it? 
I mean, too common, in fact. If I, if I were to open up a mic and invite you to share your stories of betrayal, two things would happen. It would get super awkward up in here really fast. And two, we'd be here all day. Because betrayal is so common. And maybe your story of betrayal had to do with a friend. You were tight, you, you, you had each other's back, and then you found out they weren't who you thought they were, and you got blindsided. Maybe for you it happened in the workplace. You got all your performance appraisals, those, those, were, those were good, those went well, everything was going along fine, and you got called into the supervisor's office. And now, instead of having your eye on retirement, you've got your eye on the help wanted ads. You're looking for work. And you think, how could they have done that to me? I was a good employee. But you're blindsided. Or, or the most common thing that our mind goes to when we're talking about betrayal is in the marital relationship, unfaithfulness in marriage. You, you married that one, and then you found out later that there was someone else. Or, or maybe it's not something that, 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 that your spouse did to you, but maybe it was some shadow side that you were not expecting, some sort of addiction, a, a habit, a hang-up that erupted out of nowhere, and you felt blindsided, you felt betrayed. Betrayal is such an ugly and painful thing. How can we ever expect to move past it? Or maybe the better question is, can we? I mean, is it even reasonable to expect that we can be betrayed and get past it without some form of permanent scarring? Or maybe you're asking a different question. Maybe you're asking the question, how can I make them feel the pain that I felt? I mean, that's justice, right? Not exactly, and that would make for a bummer of a sermon. Uh, fortunately, there is a better way. Uh, so if you have your Bible or your Bible apps, I would invite you to turn to Luke chapter 22. Luke 22. And in this passage, Jesus is getting to the finish line of his time on earth. And he's just shared a meal, a final meal with his closest followers, with his closest friends. And now he has gone to spend some time in prayer, uh, which is what uh, he normally did. But it, it held a little uh, special significance this night because of what was about to transpire. We pick it up in verse 47. While he was still speaking, a crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? Gotta love the disciples. And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priest, the officers of the temple guard, and the elders who had come for him, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come at me with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. We see here what would rightfully be described as the greatest betrayal in all of human history. But I think we can also see some guidelines of what we can do to navigate betrayal 
when it happens in our lives. Now notice I said when, not if, because betrayal happens. Betrayal happens, and it feels shocking, but maybe we need to rethink that. In Jesus' case, it wasn't much of a surprise that he was arrested and ultimately crucified. He pointedly challenged everyone that was in power. He pointedly challenged the status quo. He flipped every sacred cow up on its head. You don't do things like that without there being some form of repercussion. So the outcome doesn't come as much of a shock, but what does come as a shock is how Jesus is outed to his accusers in the dark of night. We read that Judas approached Jesus to kiss him. Now, we have the benefit of 2,000-plus years of teaching on this passage, and we've read it over and over again, and so we know that Judas was leaning into his shadow side. But what Jesus and the other disciples knew was that Judas was one of Jesus' closest followers. He had walked with Jesus for three years along with Peter, James, John, Thaddeus, Bartholomew, all of the other disciples. He was one of his closest followers. And while there was that one occasion where Judas called Jesus out for allowing Mary to pour expensive perfume on his feet, no one would have had any indication that Judas would do something as nefarious as turn Jesus over to his accusers. And and the way he did it, with a kiss... Super weird in our culture, but pretty normal in Jesus' culture. This would have been a sign of openness and receptivity to someone's message. It would have been a sign of friendship, a sign of intimacy. And that's how Jesus is singled out. What makes betrayal so painful is that it can't happen outside of relationship. If I don't have a relationship with you, you cannot betray me. You can hurt me in some way, but betrayal only happens within the context of relationship. That close friend, that that employer, that spouse, or other family member, it's only in the context of these relationships that we can be betrayed. We thought we knew them. We thought we knew their character. And now that, that kiss of betrayal... Which, which feels more like a knife in our back. The Old Testament King David experiences, he'd been betrayed, and he wrote out his pain in Psalm 55. He wrote, For it is not an enemy who reproaches me, then I could bear it, nor it is one who hates me who has exalted himself against me, then I could hide myself from him. You know, those people who are against me, who I don't have a relationship with, doesn't bother me. No big deal. But it is you a man my equal, my companion, and my familiar friend. We who had sweet fellowship together walked in the house of God in the throng. We were tight. We were close. And you did this to me. David experienced it. And if Jesus can be betrayed by one of his closest friends, what makes us think that we are exempt? Betrayal happens. At that last supper, Jesus said, but look, my betrayer is with me. His hand is on the table. 
He knew that although these were his closest friends, betrayal is no respecter of persons. Even the Son of God, the Son of Man, this person who spent his whole life helping and serving others can be betrayed. What this tells us is that this is not a you thing. This is not a me thing. This is a human thing. This is an us thing. Human behavior is messy. We are all subject to betrayal and, wait for it, capable of betraying. <laughs> it doesn't just happen to us, we do it to others. So wisdom warns that it shouldn't come as any surprise. And here's why. People are people. Super profound, right? Make sure you write that down. Transformation Journal, write it down. Fit said this. I never heard this before. People are people. And you know what else people do? People hurt people. People hurt people. That's the reality of the world we live in. And much of the time, the one who does the hurting has no intention of causing pain. They don't understand the harm they're inflicting. I think about the time I found out uh, that I had a half-sister I didn't know about. <laughs> yeah, you heard me. I was in my mid-20s, and I got a call from a woman who was claiming to be my half-sister. Well, I don't have a sister, and I'm pretty ticked off at this nut job who was trying to scam me for some reason. And I'm thinking, you picked the wrong family, we ain't got no money. But as I'm talking to her, and she's trying to convince me that this is who she is, a uh, call waiting beeped in. I clicked it over. Hi, honey, it's mom. I really need to talk to you. <laughs> Let me call you back. And so I get off the phone with a nut job and tell her to not call me anymore. And I call my mom. I'm like, Mom, I have a sister. So she fills in all the gaps, and it turns out that this woman was indeed my half-sister. I mean, my world was shaken. Now, after that bombshell, I had further conversation with extended family members, cousins and such, and I found out that every last person in my family, including like the spouses of my cousins, knew that this person existed, except for me. So that was awesome. Super fun. Man, I felt betrayed. I was crushed. My mom and everyone else, for that matter, kept this family secret for two and a half decades. But here's the thing. I don't think it was some grand conspiracy. I don't think there were hush-hush conversations behind the scenes of them saying, remember, whatever you do, don't tell Mike. We have to make sure we maximize the damage in his life, make sure he spends lots of money on counseling. <laughs> I don't think that ever happened. I mean, I hope. <laughs> if not, if it did, I don't want to know. <laughs> My mom was simply doing what she felt was best for her and for everybody involved. That doesn't necessarily minimize the pain, but it moves the person who hurts us from being a monster 
to being a person like you and me. People who need the grace of Jesus just like you and me. And that's the bottom line, isn't it? Grace. Grace. We need all the grace that we can get our hands on, don't we? It's that, it's that, thank you, it's, it, grace is that undeserved love and favor of God that He showers over every last one of us regardless of what we've done. It's that part of God that says, you, 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 you have betrayed me by your, by your thoughts, by your words and your actions, and you know what? I love you. I, I want you. I value you. All of the unintentional and intentional pain you have caused I still want you to follow me. I still think you're awesome. I think you're great, and I love you, and I would do anything for you. That is grace, and we need grace. And, and Jesus knew the underbelly of humanity. He, he said to, the, to uh, Judas and the people arresting him, but this is your hour when darkness reigns, because betrayal happens in the darkness, doesn't it? But God's mercies are new every morning. Every morning, God's mercies are new. Every morning, we get a new dose of God's grace. And only grace, only the light of grace can flood the darkness of betrayal. Only the grace of God can flood the darkness of betrayal. Only grace has the power to drown out everything you feel when you've been hurt, the pain, the confusion, the anger that you feel. You can't just get over it. You can't. You can't just pretend like it never happened. It's only when we come to grips with our own need, the amazing grace that is being offered to us, and the healing that comes with it. Only then can forgiveness and restoration begin. And once we've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, once we've experienced the beauty of that grace, then we can take slow and steady steps towards offering that grace and forgiveness to those who have betrayed us. It's grace. But maybe you've come today and you're like, I need something a little more tangible than that, Fitz. I need something I can put my hands on. What am I, what am I supposed to do now? How do I navigate betrayal? Let's talk through a couple of uh, action steps, if you will. First, acknowledge your pain. Acknowledge your pain. It's okay to say, ouch. To yourself, it's okay to admit when you hurt, and to your accuser. We have to acknowledge when we've been hurt. It's not healthy to pretend like nothing happened or that we're okay when we're not. And Jesus expressed his pain asking Judas, are you going to betray the Son of Man with a kiss? Judas, are you going to use this expression of intimacy to, to stab me in the back? And Jesus felt pain from that betrayal, and he identified it. So, who has hurt you? Who has hurt you? Have you identified that pain, or have you just pushed it down, hoping it will go away? Don't do that. Say, ouch. Say it to yourself. Say it to your offender. If it's in fact safe for you to do so, there might be situations where it might be an unsafe situation for you. And you may need to say ouch to a group or to a counselor. 
And if that's you, there are plenty of support groups available at Gingsburg. Check out the new group guide. Uh, they are listed in there. You can connect with a bunch of people who can help you work through the pain that you're experiencing. But maybe you need a counselor. And if that's you, check out New Creation Counseling Center, and they'll get you in touch with a caring and trained counselor. Second, don't act in retribution. Uh, some of you, when responding to pain or trauma, are a fight kind of personality. Any fighters? Don't raise your hand. It'll get weird, okay? Someone hurt you, and so you're going to go right back at them. And this may not be the healthiest response, and most of the time, it's probably not. Fighting back could only escalate the situation. Now, Jesus, he had the right and the opportunity to fight back, didn't he? But earlier in his ministry, he had said, do not resist an evil person. If a person strikes you on the right cheek, turn to them the other also. And pray for those who persecute you. And, and he lived that out, didn't he? Uh, the disciple called Peter, we find out in one of the other Gospels, that he was the one who struck, uh, who hit the soldiers, struck the, cut the soldier's ear off. Can't talk. Sorry. He's like, shoot first, ask questions later. Huzzah! What do I do, Jesus? Jesus' response, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Jesus responded with grace and with healing, not retribution. So when you've been hurt, instead of lashing out, what if you tried crying out? David, at the end of the psalm that we already looked at, said, I call to God and the Lord saves me. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress and he hears my voice. David is saying, God, help. I've been hurt. I've been betrayed. I don't know what to do, but I know you do. And so I need your help. And so instead of reacting by lashing out, may we be a people who respond by crying out to God. And ultimately, forgiveness. And now it's getting real, right? Like Fitz, you don't know what they did to me. Nope, I don't, but I'm sure it was really painful. But what I do know is those who follow Jesus, follow Jesus. We don't get revenge, we offer forgiveness. Jesus, while he was hanging on the cross, nails through his hand, nails through his feet, beaten beyond recognition, said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. This is our guide. This is our model. This is our mentor. It's not easy, but it's the life we chose when we said yes to Jesus. And the thing is, when we don't forgive, we, we somehow think that we're doing the other person a disservice. Like, I'm going to show them I'm going to be bitter. And most of the time, that other person, they ain't even thinking about you. When you refuse to forgive, the only person you're hurting is yourself. Anne Lamott writes in Traveling Mercies, not forgiving is like drinking rat poison and then waiting for the rat to die. Great imagery, right? It's like, watch, I'm going to teach you. When you refuse to forgive, you are simply allowing yourself to be eaten away on the inside. Now, to be clear, forgiveness is not the same thing as reconciliation. 
You do not have to be reconciled to your uh, betrayer. In some instances, it might just not be healthy or safe for you to do so. Uh, 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 situations of abuse, serial infidelity, a toxic work environment. There are some situations where it might be the healthiest and safest response for you to say, I forgive you, shake the dust off your feet with regards to that relationship, and move on, because forgiveness does not necessarily equal reconciliation. And finally, don't revisit the betrayal. It's tempting to go back to the betrayer and remind them of how badly they hurt you. Remember that thing you did to me? When Judas placed that kiss on Jesus' face, Jesus identified the betrayal, but he didn't rub his nose in it. He didn't say, hey, remember when we were at the Last Supper and I said I knew someone was going to betray me? (laughs) I knew it was going to be you. He didn't rub his nose in the offense. The gift of grace is still open to Judas even at that moment. We read later that ultimately this betrayal ate Judas alive from the inside, but it was never Jesus who closed the door to grace and mercy in Judas's life. It was never Jesus who did that. As a matter of fact, in Matthew's telling of this story, in that instance, Jesus refers to Judas as friend, not betrayer, not giant jerk face. Friend. And so if Jesus continues to offer grace all the way to the very end, if Jesus can do that, who are we to rub our noses of our betrayers in their offense? God gives us tools to move forward, and that's where life is found, not behind us. So don't shine the spotlight on the offense. Instead, love as Jesus loved, with grace and with mercy. Now, many of us today in the room and online would consider ourselves to be Jesus followers. We use the life and the teachings of Jesus to guide our relationships, our interactions, and our reactions. And that Jesus returned grace for betrayal. He returned love for pain. He returned mercy when none was deserved. And so my question to all of us today is, Will we follow him in this? Will we follow him in this? Will we meet that person who has hurt us with the undeserved love that only Jesus can supply? And maybe you don't claim to be a Jesus follower, but even so, wouldn't you like to be free? Wouldn't you like to be free from the bitterness and the resentment and the anger that you feel, that stuff that's serving as rat poison to your soul. You can be free from it, but that stuff only comes when we release the unforgiveness we feel and allow grace and mercy to take its place. That's when it happens, and I want you to be free. Friends, this is hard stuff. It wasn't easy for Jesus. It ain't going to be easy for any of us. But just imagine the community we could be if we truly embraced and exuded grace. What if we said, ouch, and talked through our pain? A people who said, yes, that hurt, but I'm living a different script. I've received an unparalleled love, and because of that, I have forgiven you. What would it look like to be a people who sought reconciliation instead of revenge? Who modeled the fact that the light of grace 
can flood the darkness of betrayal. Man, if we did that, the world would sit up and take notice. Because they're like, I don't understand how they function. I don't get that. But man, look how free they are. Look how well they love. I need me some of that. Man, we could flip this world on its ear. That would be awesome. So in closing today, let's pray together. I'm going to invite you, don't bow your heads, don't close your eyes. Keep your eyes open because you're going to pray with me whether you want to or not. Put your hands out in front of you and there's going to be a prayer on the screen. And and I invite you to pray this prayer out loud with me if you're comfortable doing so uh, as a prayer of submission and surrender and grace and mercy and forgiveness. Pray with me. God, I hurt. I have been betrayed. And the last thing I want to do is to forgive. But you have shown me grace time and time again. Give me your heart. Help me to release the unforgiveness that I feel and replace it with your grace and mercy for myself and for the one who has hurt me. And tomorrow, when I'm tempted to pick my unforgiveness back up, help me to release it again and again and again. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you'd like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Ginghamsburg app or online at ginghamsburg.org.